Welcome. My name is Emma Bliss. I am the president of Remember the Girls, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting and advocating for carriers and female patients of X-linked disorders, a group often overlooked by the medical profession. As a disclaimer, this podcast series features sensitive topics. Understand that the opinions and topics do not express or represent the organization's personal feelings on any matter, but are here to solely share the guest speaker's journey and life experiences. These opinions and stories are theirs and theirs alone. Jessica Stevens is a 30-year-old mom from Middlesbrough, United Kingdom, who is affected with ornithine transcarbamylase, shortened as OTC deficiency. Jessica lost her second baby, August, tragically to OTC deficiency when he was three days old in September 2020. It took around nine months until she was diagnosed as a carrier of OTC. Jessica knew she still wanted to continue her family, but with a 50% chance of passing on the gene variant again, she was unsure what to do. When she found out she was pregnant again in November 2021, she had a blood test to determine the sex of the baby, which confirmed he was a boy. She proceeded with a CVS to test the amniotic fluid and determine if her son was affected by ornithine transcarbamylase. Unfortunately, it was determined that her son did in fact have OTC deficiency. She decided that the kindest thing to do would be to end the pregnancy, as she couldn't bear the thought of him suffering in pain like his older brother. He was born silently on January 16th, 2022, and his family called him Blake Arthur Stevens. This is their story. Hey, well, thank you so much, Jess, for being here today. Um, I know that this is something that is very close to your heart and a very sensitive topic, um, but I'd love to just open this space up for you to start sharing and just share us, share your journey and how you got here and, and why you're sharing today. Yeah, um, so in September 2020, uh, I lost my um, first son. Uh, he was my second child. I had a daughter first. Um, and that's, it, it was um, a rare genetic condition and similar to everybody else in um, Remember the Girls community. Um, so it, it was OTC deficiency that my son died of. And uh, um, obviously that was a very traumatic experience. Um, and uh, that was what led to our diagnosis. So I found out that I am a carrier of the, the OTC deficiency. I found out my daughter is also a carrier and um, other family members were tested too. But it turns out that it was um, like the, the mutation started with me. So I'm the like only female, even though our family is full of females, so we thought it ran all the way back. It doesn't. It started in me. So I'm sort of the only person that has to navigate this path of being um, a carrier of an X-linked condition. Um, and you gave, so, your, you gave birth to your second child, your son, in when, when was that? September 2020. Um, and he, uh, 
he died very quickly. Like, um, so he was born on the 20th and then on the um, 23rd, he died. Um, and for those of you who don't know what OTC deficiency is, um, it's uh, like, you can't process protein. Um, so when he had my milk, um, he sort of, it, it's po sort of poisoned his bloodstream. So I kind of like describe it as kind of like a, his ammonia levels spiked and it caused um, like essentially brain damage, seizures. Um, and by the time they'd found out what it was, um he was he, like his body was already shutting it shutting down he'd had two cardiac arrests in the time that the doctors had spoke to me and told me what otc deficiency was he then had another so it, it quite quickly came to the conclusion that he wasn't going to make it even if we could have in the best will in the world we could have had a put a plan in place and transported him to a different hospital but he was already shutting down by the time we'd figured out what it was um OTC is a fatal condition and there's no cure at this time yeah for for us I know it I know it varies for some people some like it can be late onset for some pa patients um and that typically it's easier to treat for them uh, but obviously the gene that I carry is like completely fatal um and it's like miraculous really that i've gone this long without even knowing that i had it when it's so extreme on the male side mm -hmm. um but yeah you know it's what it is somewhat typical with your condition for male versus female right like the males tend to have way uh symptoms way more severe than women and with some yeah. women don't have any symptoms. Yeah, some women don't have any symptoms. Some, um, like some have mild symptoms. Some can have it as extreme as the men. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard of some females needing a liver transplant. So, mm -hmm. um, which is is crazy when you think about it. Like, if it's that extreme in my son, then why isn't it showing up a little bit in me? Mm -hmm. um, it's fascinating yeah. it, it, that's excellent conditions are, are fascinating in that sense yeah um, I, i'm so sorry for that loss um i know that we spoke on this before um, yeah i'd love to know uh after you lost your son and your family planning um decisions going forward it, our stories are very similar in that way and i'd love to hear yeah. hear that so um we knew we, we didn't want to like before we even had um like uh, had the traumatic experience of losing my son August um we knew we wanted like a big family so we knew we weren't over um and obviously we, it was really sad to lose him but we knew we wanted to continue having children and try again so um here we have like there's there, there are options you can have funding for um IVF if Luckily, if you if you've got no living children that are healthy, so because my daughter has um, OTC, they class her as a non-healthy child, even though she's not currently showing any symptoms. 
So it means I can qualify for IVF. Um, but we decided that we were unsure on, on how, which way to go. And uh, we decided we'd just sort of play it by ear and um, sort of not prevent a pregnancy in the process of finding out more about IVF. And um, I fell pregnant and um, obviously um, we then sort of started to panic about you know what's going to happen you know hopefully it's a girl and will everything will be all right or you know what's going to happen if it if he like we have a baby with the condition um so I contacted my genetic counsellor and she arranged for a scan at um I think it was about seven weeks we had a scan to date the pregnancy um and then quickly after we've got the pregnancy dated they then um, sent us for blood um, test and that so that was about eight eight weeks eight nine weeks we had the blood test and um, I think we had to wait about a week for the results um, and I was just on tender hooks the entire time just waiting to find out you know what what is what's going to happen and I, I was just praying and hoping like I even convinced myself that it was a girl I was like it is a girl you know it's going to be fine because it's a girl <laughs> and then um I got the call and um she told me it was a boy and I just immediately started panicking from there I could not like I was just so like pregnancy after loss is so hard anyway but when you're waiting for results it's even harder um mm -hmm. so then I was just like praying it's 50 50 we've still got a chance it's not the end you know we could it could could work out it could be amazing um so I think it was 12 weeks we went for CVS and that's where they put um like take a sample of the placenta so they put a really long needle in your abdomen and take a sample of the placenta mm. and I think again that was around about a week for the results it's just the waiting you don't realize that the waiting is going to get to you but it really really does like every minute feels like an hour um it's so and true. then the waiting, the waiting is the hard. It was one of the hardest parts. Yeah. You said you were at, at 11 weeks when you went for the CVS. Uh, I think, I think I was about just shy of 12 weeks. I think oh, I was right. 11 and six or something like that. Um, it was just the way it was because, um, of Christmas, um, cause I found out, I found out it was a boy between Christmas and new year. Um, so like we had a little bit of extra waiting because obviously hospitals and clinics and stuff are, are not um, running at the right, you know, when it's in the middle yeah. of Christmas. So um, I think it was. Uh, yeah, so then it was in the January that we went to CVS, the start of January. Um, and then it was about a week later we found out that, yeah, he had um, OTC. Mm -hmm. deficiency so um that I, I rang 
um every specialist immediately to say like because I was part thinking can I do this can can we beat this is there a cure is there something we can do and um like after talking to them because they were saying like it like it varies vastly obviously between like we were just saying it some people can live and have late onset version of this but what I have is like very severe and what they said was um like even though um we'd sort of know and we'd be like whereas with August we had to find out the result like find out what he had and he had time to deteriorate first they said even if we did know and all the best will in the world um they can't actually tell me what will happen um they said they can like medicate him and hope that it helps and they can you know knowing about it they can do things but um they can't say whether the that it will have an impact and an effect um and whether his ammonia levels will still go like way above manageable and then cause damage so because what it is is for the cure for art for otc deficiency is it's um, a liver transplant that's the only cure and obviously it's very difficult to get a liver for a newborn baby um, so if <clears throat> if they were um, like born and a liver came available then that's great but it's how long will it take for a liver to become available and can they get the baby to be stable enough to to have that liver transplant as well yeah um so they said even if they could they said it would be very unlikely that they would be able to get him to a liver transplant um but even if they did he would likely to be um like severely brain damaged and like not live a normal life mm -hmm. and so just everything that you went through with august your first yeah son, um, who lived for three or five days? It was it was three days. Three days. Three days. Yeah. You just I think it was just shy of three days to be fair. Um it was so so fast. Like and, and was first. that a big part of your decision to terminate the second this third pregnancy? Yeah, because I was just thinking like I don't like to think about it, but I was just thinking about the pain that August must have been in, like at the time, like seeing all the medication stacked up that he was on, it was insane. Um, like he was so drugged and it, I just wonder like how much pain, like obviously even though we didn't, like you can't physically see because he was just so immobile from like the brain damage, but like, how much pain was he actually in? Um, yeah, I couldn't. I so I just for me, I just thought if we end the pregnancy, he like he wouldn't be in it in any pain. As I know what the what um one of the doctors said was sorry, one of the doctors said was um because they are so young, I think it was like he was. 13 weeks um, when we ended the pregnancy. And I think um, he said the pain receptors haven't developed yet. So they can't actually feel anything. So 
you made this decision out of love for your children. And I think that that is something that is needs to be the most important factor that people understand from this interview is this decision was made out of love for your children. You did not want to put your, your son through what your, what August went through. Yeah. And I think that that is so it's, it's, it's a, the hardest decision you've probably ever had to make, but it's also, it's, it's a beautiful decision. You didn't want your baby to go through the experience that August went through. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I did that, that, that's exactly it. I didn't want him to be in pain and, um, that was our main deciding. How how do you feel about your experience and your decision now, months later? I definitely don't like, I know some people might regret, but I 100% don't regret my decision. Mm Um, I feel guilt over it because there's always going to be that, like, what if, but I don't, I don't regret it because I just know that we did the right thing with the information that we had at the time. And that's all we can do. Yeah. And it's Um, not like you made this decision blindly. You have known your carrier status for a bit now, you know, other children with this condition, you know what they've been through. It's not, it wasn't a quick decision you used no. the that you had. And I think that you've are, what you've already been through helped you make that decision. And it's hard, it is, guilt and shame creep up, but it's, you make the decision based on what you want for your family and what you wish your family can, can endure. And I think that that is something that is worthy of feeling not guilty about. Yeah, know? that's it. That's exactly it. But no, I definitely don't regret what we did um it was it was the right thing for us um because I think as well I might have made a different decision if it was um like if if I hadn't had a a daughter as well to think about like my little girl how much would I have if he if he if we carried him to term they said that I'd had to um deliver in a different hospital like out of the area and um, which is quite a travel for us um, so that specialists would be on hand um, and then obviously how long would we be would you know if he was born would he have like how long would he have survived because you know I I am I believe that he wouldn't have survived you know what I mean that's my belief that he wouldn't have made it um, we would have just put prolonged suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. like, how long would that have lasted for? And how long would I have been away from my little girl? And I mean, she's just turned three. So she, you know, she needs a mum too. And so we had to think about her as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. It affects your entire family. It's not just you, it's not just one person. It's not just, it's, it affects everybody in your immediate family. So you do have to consider every little part of it. Um, looking back on your TFMR journey, um, what would you tell your past self about it? I think, I think I would have 
it's hard to say because without actually going there, you don't know how you'd feel. Um, I think we had to, I think we had to have a try again. Otherwise I wouldn't have now, now I feel certain that I want to do IVF. But if I could go back and tell myself, I would say, just go straight for IVF. Don't risk it. It's not like, it's too much pain. And you're talking the emotional pain. How was it physically? Physically, I was, I was all right, actually. Um, So like, it was the 16th of Jan, we went in, um, into like the labor ward to have, to have, um, we called, we called him Blake. So to have Blake. Um, And uh, yeah, so that was, that was fine because my other labors were really grueling and and painful because I had to I had c-sections with um but obviously um Blake being only a 13 week baby he was small so um it was quite straightforward for me like I went in I know some, I know they were worried at the time saying it might take a while because obviously your body's not ready to go into labor. And uh, obviously they put like a pessary there, don't they, to start you off. So you were, um, you were awake and went through labor with Blake? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I went through labor, yeah. Wow, wow. So I, I know the two different routes, isn't there? Sorry, I should have said we had the, the medical route because there's a surgical route, isn't there? Yes, there is. I actually terminated a pregnancy as well at the same 13 weeks and they just put me to sleep. It was, I don't even, I woke up and I just wasn't pregnant anymore, which again, it comes with its own mental things. Like you don't realize because you didn't go through labor that you're no longer pregnant. It's the whole, both routes are very, very difficult, right? Yeah. They have different mental loads that come with them too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But you went the labor route and you gave birth to Blake. Um, You named him, you loved him, you wanted him. I think that is so important for people to understand that this was a very, very much wanted pregnancy and baby. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, we did get like a little bit of thing at, at first about it because they were like, oh, well, you won't, do you know what I mean? Like people were like, oh, well, um, it'll be easy. I'm like, well, because, well, no, because you've got, I've still got to give birth to this baby. Um, I mean, we could have gone the surgical route, but I didn't want to because uh, I wanted to see him. And that was part of our um, decision. So, um, yeah, he was my son and I wanted, I wanted him to come into the world the same way as my other children. Um, so, um, although I had C-sections with them, um, Blake came naturally. Um, but yeah, it's, it was like just exactly the same as labour, like, just not as intense because you haven't got a great big massive bump um so you you still had contractions you still had had to like push and um yeah and everything was the same he had 
he had an umbilical cord. He had a placenta. Um, what would you say is was the hardest part of the entire experience? The in between, the the bit where I found out he had RTC and the bit where like I had to wait to go into hospital to have him that in between of like you know what's going to come and obviously I, I, I don't know about you but I could feel him moving so I could feel little flutters and stuff and it's that was torture knowing that I was going in and he wouldn't be alive anymore that was the waiting that in between time I completely agree with you on that um can you touch a little bit on what your thoughts were at that time what were you obviously it's devastating news to find out but what was what was your support system like and how did you cope mentally um I don't think I did really I was just in that zombie state that like family were great like my my grandma looked after my little girl for me um you know everyone like sort of chipped in and stuff um but I I don't think the support was as great as what it was when I lost August because I think and it's, it's sort of like having to explain yourself as well to people. Like we decided to have a funeral for Blake and, you know, I, I had the response of, oh, um, you're not going to have a funeral for him, are you? Like, he's not a baby. I'm like, well, he is a baby. He's my baby. He's not a real baby. But did he is. People, did you have people that disagreed with your decision to terminate the pregnancy? No, no, luckily I, did, I didn't have any of that at all. Um, no, I think everybody, everybody completely understood. I think, I think it would have been the other, like if I'd have continued the pregnancy, I probably would have got a lot of stuff that side of it. But um, no, I think every, every like immediate person like family and friends, they all completely understood and completely um, agreed with our choice. So. Okay. Um, so I'd love for you to share um, what you would tell a pregnant person that's struggling with termination or the decision to terminate for a medical reason. What would you tell them? Oh, um, so hard um I don't know um I think just just find support in everyone around you um ask you know if 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 you're trying to make the decision talk to doctors um specialists in whatever it is that is you know they suspect is wrong with your baby and try and get as much information as you can um and that's all you can do 
is and then like if you do decide to terminate it's just like own that decision because even if information in the future comes out um that's the future uh, that's not then this all you can do is go off the information that you've got at the time and if you've done all your research and you know that you know the prognosis is not good and <clears throat> you know the baby's going to suffer then like that's all that's all the information you you, you need really you, you just you can only go off that and like I said if new new information comes in the future you can't beat yourself up over that because you made the best decision for yourself at the time yeah no that's 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 it <laughs> sorry she's a wild child today I would <laughs> Um, go, um, Isla, please, one minute, just one minute. She's feisty, man. She's, the, <laughs> I don't know if you're, how your, your daughter is the first child. So like, she's probably super sweet, like my, my oldest, but she is wild, wild. Um, okay. So for Isla, please. Okay. Thank you. For every interviewee, we are asking a wrap up question. <laughs> Oh my God. Let me try that again. I can edit all of this. Thank God. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so for every interviewee, we are asking the wrap up question of um, a sentence and we'd like for you to finish the sentence. Um, my termination experience was. D devastating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jess. I appreciate you being with us today and sharing a bit of your heart. 